Hello and thanks for your company for Tui's News, the podcast, brought to you as always by the Newcastle Herald and our major sponsor, West Group. Big thanks to Wes for supporting us over the past couple of years. I'm Barry Tui and with me as usual, well, he's we know him as the titan of tech, the boss of the buttons. <laughs> now, he's, now he's the director of the dials, <laughs> Simon McCarthy. How are you, Simon? I'm good, Bess. That was going very, um, this is your life there for a minute. It was, it was starting to sound a little bit like eulogy. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. <laughs> we knew him as the titan of tech. Taken before his time. <laughs> well, why not? Yeah, okay, okay. Well, maybe you're not the titan of tech anymore. That, no. that might, might be what I'm referring to. Oh. Because we, well, we did have a little issue last we did. week, didn't we? Yeah. Poor yeah. old David Wade had to be put on hold for five minutes. Five while minutes just, while, while, while you sorted it out. Panicked. <laughs> <laughs> you panicked. At least you knew what you were doing. I was, I was the one who was panicking. There was a small moment there where it went very Chernobyl for a minute. A lot of flashing lights and I'm going, ooh, uh-oh. Mm. <laughs> oh, no. Anyway, we got through it. That was good. So. <laughs> uh, dear, oh, dear. Okay, well, we, hey, we're coming off a history-making week. Um, yeah, what are we up to now? Talking Newcastle Knights. No, I'm not talking about the podcast. I'm talking oh. about the Newcastle Knights. It's, I don't know what it, we're up to. 105 or something. Isn't it? Oh God, yeah, no, we're we're going okay. Yes, yes. no, yes, no. Yeah. The history making week is the Newcastle Knights' second straight sellout crowd at uh, McDonald oh, Jones hey, Stadium. It's never happened in the history of the club. Go back to really? all the great years. Uh, two in a row has never happened, and. Obviously, we're going to get three in a row because uh, in two weeks' time, not this weekend, but the following weekend, the Knights will be hosting a finals game um, for the first time since, what, 2006. Wow. Uh, And that'll be a sellout for sure. You can bet your life. Oh, for sure. Uh, Yeah. So there'll be three in a row, which is just ridiculous, unheard of, and uh, fantastic for the city, fantastic for the club. Um, Yeah, look, it was a, a... a wonderful, um, wonderful day out there last last Sunday again. Um, the our NRLW team, the defending champions, they won again, um, and of course the men well, it was their eighth straight triumph uh, in the NRL, and not only significant for the uh, run of wins, but obviously it it um, guarantees the club uh, a spot in the finals, which. Going back two months ago. Um, Looked a yeah. little bit bleak. <laughs> That's one way of putting it. That's one way of putting it. Yeah, look, um, they've been on an unbelievable run. Um, yeah, and as I say, they've guaranteed themselves a spot in the finals with one round still to go this weekend in the competition. They can finish either uh, fifth or sixth. Um, can't do worse than that, which guarantees them a, a semi final. Uh, sorry, a home semi final. Um, they beat the Dragons, they'll automatically finish fifth. If they don't, then they could finish sixth. Um, what that means, uh, fifth plays eighth in the finals and uh, sixth plays seventh. So uh, much of a muchness, really. But, I mean, the Knights... Eight straight wins. Yeah, eight straight wins. Fantastic. Is that... Um, when was the last time we had a big, long straight of wins? That was 2001. 2001. Was it? Yeah. Yes. How many was that? Eight, I think. Eight. Yeah. Oh, hello. Yeah. Cool. Oh, no, it might have been nine. Uh, I'm not sure, mate. Yeah. I'm, I'm not much good on stats. Uh, there we go. <laughs> Thanks for that. You heard it here first, guys. <laughs> Barry too is not much good on stats. <laughs> no. It's one of the f- I'm not much good at. Um, 
Oh, dear, oh, dear. Congratulations, obviously, to Adam O'Brien, the coach, who's had a, well, he's had a tumultuous year in some respects, um, given what's happened to him both on and off the field, uh, with his mum passing halfway during the season, um, and obviously all the speculation about his job and whether he was going to even be here at this stage. There was plenty of people telling us that um, Adam O'Brien wouldn't even be coach at this point in time, let alone um, being on the verge of getting an upgrade um, and and having got his team to the s- semis or the finals for the third time in four seasons. So it's fair effort, great effort from uh, Adam O'Brien and his coaching staff and obviously the players who have, um, you know, have, you know, got on board basically um, and are playing so well. Um, so well that knocked over the Sharks. A great second half performance to knock over the Sharks last week and leapfrog them to fifth spot. Obviously, the, the big talking point um, or one of the big talking points after the game, uh, the the negative, if you would like, to come out of the game was the injury to Kalen Ponga. Um, high-grade AC joint injury. Uh, so if they say high-grade, I'm, I'm no doctor, but they say high-grade generally means a, a full tear of the AC joint, which means that, um, yeah, he's going to be, uh, well, he doesn't. He won't be playing this weekend. Um, they'll rehab him and he'll have a lot of tape on him next weekend. Yeah. And he'll have quite a few um, pain-killing injections, I would imagine. And he's going to be very, very painful, hopefully, for the next five weeks or four weeks or however long it is till the grand final. Oof. He's going to be in a lot of pain during the week. Um, and, um, but we just got to hope that, um, the injury settled down, settles down a little bit and, um, yeah, he can get back on the field and, and produce some of the great form that he's produced in the last couple of months that, uh, coincided obviously with the nights going so well. Okay. Just before we, um, talk about our guest, the local league grand final, the real NRL as we uh-huh. Some like still like to call it mm-hmm. um, the Newcastle Rugby League Grand Final on Saturday at uh, McDonald Jones Stadium. First grade at two p.m. Maitland up against South Newcastle. Uh, the reserve grade uh, Grand Finals Maitland versus Wests, and the under 19s is Lakes versus Wests in that Grand Final on um, on Saturday. So congratulations to those teams Maitland in first grade obviously the defending champions up against uh, well coached by Matt Lantry up against um, Andrew Bobcat Ryan's South Newcastle Lions who got through last weekend after um, coming from behind to beat um, Cessnock in the final I give the Lions a big chance they'll hate me for saying this because I I'm not real, not much of a tipster, mate, to be honest, but uh, I give the Lions a real good chance, actually, in that <laughs> grand final. I think it's going to be a great game. Uh, Maitland have been the favourites all year, the minor premiers, but uh, I think South Newcastle are a big chance. It should be a great game um, at the McDonald Jones Stadium on Saturday. Okay, well, we've obviously got the Twitter mailbag, which is... Back again. Back again and yeah. overflowing. <laughs> As usual. Um, so we'll, we'll get to that. But after this, we'll be back with our special guest, Knight's Lock, Adam Elliott. We're recording this. Here he is. Reno. Hey, Phil. Hey, Buzz. Are we on? Are we recording? You're ready for us, are you? I am, mate. If you're ready, we can call me back. 
Oh, we are sort of recording, but I've, I've got a little intro to read first before... Uh... Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess this week, Knights Prop, Daniel Safiti, Nathan Ross, Jared Mullen, Anthony Seabold, Jaden Braley. It's a great privilege to have uh, Tim Zhu, Mark Hughes. Hello, Hughesy. Mitchell Pierce, the greatest knight of all time. Paul Harrigan, good morning. Kurt Gidley, welcome to the podcast, kids. The one and only Kirk Reynolds. And hello, Reno. Mate, I've been waiting my whole life for this, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> Our special guest today, well, he's uh, the Newcastle Knights lock. He's played 140 NRL games, 101 of those with the Bulldogs, 24 with the Raiders. Uh, he's played the last 15 or the last 14 with the Knights and had one at the start of the year. Look, he's um, he's been in great form. He's been an integral part of, of the Knights' winning run, their, their eight-game winning run. I think last week against... The Sharks, 42 tackles, top the tackle count, and 162 metres in uh, in 69 minutes. Fantastic effort. I'm referring, of course, to Adam Elliott. I've got him on the line. G'day, Adam. Hey, how you going, Barry? Thanks for having me on. How are you, buddy? Everything going good? Yeah, going good, mate. Pulled up good from the weekend's game, which is always good, and um, yeah, ready to go again this week. So the body's feeling all, all good to go. I had them 10 games off at the start of the year, so I've used up all my annual leave and I'm feeling a bit fresher than the rest of the boys, I think. <laughs> yeah, you don't get uh, rest when you get missed 10 games in, at the start of the year. You don't get the rest that a few others might get at this stage of the year, mate. Yeah, certainly, mate. But um, I think, I think to be fair, most of the boys have actually pulled up pretty well, and um, you know, which is a good thing. Obviously, probably have an opportunity this week to, if, if, if needed, to... Um, have a week off, but I think a lot of the boys will um, definitely be backing up and looking to play and, you know, keep this momentum that we've got at the moment into the semifinals. And mate, it's a tough one, and I guess it's a tough one for Adam O'Brien, the coach, in in trying to work out how you juggle this because obviously the Knights can't finish any, any lower than sixth. We're guaranteed of a home uh, final, irrespective of whether we beat the... the uh, the Dragons on the weekend or not. Um, so it is an opportunity there to, to rest players. But after you've won eight in a row, you you don't want to probably go into the finals with a, a last-round loss and maybe lose a little bit of that momentum. No, certainly. I think, yeah, I think Ads has made that very clear, particularly with our leadership group and the meeting that we've had is, um, like, we, we've got all our attention onto the Dragons this week and we want to win. Like, you can't be... And the moment that you start thinking too far ahead and um, looking past the game that you've got in front of you, I think you'll find yourself in a bit of trouble. So it's certainly got all focus on playing against the Dragons and putting the best team that we can out there. Um, and like I said, if if there's an opportunity for a couple of blokes to miss a game, I, I don't really like using the word rest because it's not a rest. You, you're not getting rested. I think if, you, if, a, if having a game off at this time of the year with the availability of doing it would benefit you know, an individual and get them in a better position to play their best footy the week after, that will happen. But if you're ready to go and you're, you know, there's not going to be a massive benefit of you missing this week's game, then you're ready to go and you're ready to play and we want to win. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Mate, you, uh, you're you a, a South Coast boy. You're, you're from Tarthra. I, know, I think you might have been born in Bega, but you're a Tarthra boy, aren't you? So Yeah, that's right, mate. Yep, no hospital in Tarthra. So born at Bega Hospital, and but raised and, and lived in Tarthra my whole life before I moved away. So, so Newcastle. I mean, Tarthra. For those who don't know, it's a it's a coastal town. Obviously, I don't know how many people wouldn't be that many people there. But um, the the lifestyle in Newcastle 
Um, obviously, Newcastle a lot bigger, but the the beach lifestyle, I'm sure that um, suits you down to the ground. Mate, it definitely does, yeah. So there's only a thousand or maybe 1,500 people in Tarthra now. Um, it's, it's a really small town. It's, um, yeah, part of a, a beautiful part of the world, though, that far south coast region's very untouched. It's um, hidden away down there, and that's sort of the way that we like it. Certainly, you know, my parents and my grandparents, that's the way they like it. They don't want too many people finding out about it and going down there and overcrowding it. But um, me coming to Newcastle, has been a, it's been a really nice fit. And lifestyle-wise, um, you know, it suits me down to a tee. I love going for me morning swim and going and spending time with Millie down the beach or, you know, a few of my, my teammates here. We go and get a coffee and a swim before we start training for the day. And, um, you know, that's just those little things in your lifestyle that – you can't take for granted and obviously I've spent a bit of time away, I lived in Sydney for a long time and then I spent a year down in Canberra last year and have lived away from the beach and away from the coast and I certainly know that, yeah, I'm at my happiest away from the field, off the field when I'm close to the water, that salt water. Yeah, good stuff. Now, you went to school at um, St. Greg's Campbelltown. What, yep. Was that just a – was that a stepping stone to playing footy or was it actually – did your mum and dad send you there hopefully to get a decent education? No. So I um, – yeah, I was really fortunate. I went to went to Beagle High School, um, you know, from year seven to year ten. Yep. But um, when I was in year eight, I signed my first contract with the Bulldogs. I was quite young. I was 14. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. Um, and part of that part of that journey, part of my journey was always going to be that I had to move to Sydney eventually to play SG ball, which was going to be um, – you, you could go – so, yeah, my education was important from my parents' point of view and I could have gone up there for year 12, but obviously, as people know, your HSC and your, your ATAR, you need to – you know, that year 11 and year 12, the two years in a row is quite important with continuity with subjects and teachers and all that sort of stuff. So the plan for me was to always go away in year 11 um, and start my HSC at, at one school that I'd be at the whole time. And I'm just so fortunate and grateful that Peter Mulholland, um, yes. yeah, rest in peace to Pete. Um, he's someone that was, you know, really integral into my journey to the NRL, but he was also an ex-teacher and ex-footy coach at St. Greg's College and had some really good contacts there. And, um, yeah, with a bit of help from the Bulldogs and a bit of help um, with some scholarship sort of stuff, I was able to go there. It certainly wouldn't have been – I wouldn't have been sent there for mum and dad, we'll put it that way. I won't go too far into that. But, um, yeah, them being able to financially help out with me getting to St. Greg's um, is what made that – happened for me and you know luckily I was able to be a part of a really good school really strong culture um finished my HSC you know I did I think certainly punched above my weight and and you know got a got a decent degree and and that was um what's was a stepping stone for me yep I suppose for going and playing NRL and going to the Bulldogs after that but I actually got to study and and um, studied a physio degree down at Sydney Uni as well following that so I don't think that would have happened if it wasn't for St Greg's so are you a qualified physio yet or you've still got some well, work to do I, there? Um, put it off? Well, I, hadn't, I haven't finished my last placement. Okay. I've got about six months of placement to do. But, yeah, by the time I was ready to do that, I'd already started playing NRL. And as you know, we don't get six months off. So yeah. it was um, yeah, a pretty tough choice for me. But uh, not a tough choice. It was a... It was definitely a choice I had to make because I knew, you know, if my career was to span over, you know, the the period I wanted it to, which is nearly ten years, that I wouldn't 
that degree wouldn't be sitting there waiting for me. You have to do it within a certain certain time frame. That that's actually running out for me. Oh, okay. Um, I was going to ask you: Could 20, you do do twenty twenty two? So could you do a six month placement at the night? So I thought you might be able to sort that out. No. So there's, <laughs> there's certain placements you have to do. Yeah. yeah. There's obviously a lot of conflict of interest and um, around yeah where you can do it. I, I'd done my um, I suppose clinic based placements and hospital placements and this one was going to be a rural placement that I had to do every uh, okay. the same thing. So no special treatment for NRL players. No. Is that is that something at the end of your career you might look at or is it you've, you've gone past that now? No, I've actually started, mate. I actually started studying an, an architecture degree at, at the University of Newcastle. Oh, so, okay. yeah, there's there's more of a scope for me to be able to do that. I think it's certainly more, something I'm more interested in. I think I jumped into physio because at the time, I'd just come off an ACL reconstruction, like fresh out of high school, which was you know, really unfortunate and I was really young. But my physio at the time at the Bulldogs was someone that was always there for me, really helped me. Um, I learned a lot from him and I thought, you know, that's a pretty cool. He, he's done something pretty cool for me. I think I could probably study this. And, um, you know, at the time, it seemed like a good degree and it was fun and whatnot. But I don't think that's probably for me down the track, I think. Yeah, if I'm not if I'm not coaching or involved in football in some capacity, I think yeah, away from that, certainly going down that design, architecture, you know, building the built environment. I really that really interests me. It's something that's a really big hobby of mine at the moment, actually. Yeah, good stuff. Because I think you are you have you renovated? You and Millie renovated a house. Did I read something? No, about we're actually that? we're actually selling our house, but it was uh, we bought it renovated, so we haven't oh, okay. done anything to that house. Um, it is a new, it is a new renovation, but yeah, that that is in our work. We can't claim that, but yeah, that's certainly something that's on the cards for us down the track. Maybe a little uh, Newcastle version of the block or something like that. <laughs> very good, very good. Well, mate, you you mentioned the Bulldogs. Obviously, you spent a, a lot of time at the Bulldogs. I think you were, um, well, you were in their NYC team back in 2013, maybe 14. I think you you captain. You talked about the leadership and the fact that you're in the leadership group, even though you're only just arrived this year at, at the Knights. You were captain, I think, of their New South Wales Cup team. Um, yeah. You made the New South Wales Cup team of the year back in 2015. And I'd imagine you weren't very old then and there would have been some older players in that New South Wales Cup team for, for uh, Canterbury that, um, I don't know, how, how did they, how old were you and how did they like you being the bloke, bloke that was sort of uh, given the instructions? Yeah, so I was still 20, 20 years old, which... At the time, it didn't feel like I was really young to be taken over. It sort of I probably was a bit wet behind the ears, a bit green, and just thought it was – I'd always been – not not toot my own horn because I don't think it's a, a big rap, but I'd just always fallen into that position. I was, a, I was captain of my you know, local team growing up, then I was captain of the St. Greg's side, and then I was captain of uh, the Australian schoolboys, um, you know, when I was at St. Greg's, and then – yeah, captain the under twenties, and then it, it was just something that sort of I'd always fallen into, and I didn't really think of it from like an age point of view. But I was playing with blokes like Antonio Cafusi that had played for Queensland. Yeah. <laughs> he played for Australia, and he was, you know, I'd, I'd still do have so much respect for Fuss and the way that he played footy. But and and blokes like him really helped me out. Damien Cook was in that team. Yeah, um, wow. Yeah, so the, you know, I found myself captaining and being in charge of these blokes that are just you know, been around and a lot more experienced than me, but they helped me a lot along the way. And I think that was a big part of my journey. And I certainly, I did definitely have a readjustment from 
you know, there's a big difference between captain in the New South Wales Cup and then actually going and playing NRL week to week and then even being, even bridging that gap between debuting and, and being part of a leadership group or a, or a vice captain or a captain. And that's, you know, there's a very long journey between that. And I think, um, you know, that was a, a great step for me forward. But, um, yeah, still, still developing that now. And it's something that's, uh, it's certainly helped me along the way. Well, mate, you had um, six seasons in the NRL at the Bulldogs. I think you debuted in round one in. 2016, uh, a win over Manly at Brookvale. You came off the bench. Uh, Desi Hasler would have been the coach, I would imagine. Um, Desi was the coach, yep. Yeah, and and uh, obviously last last season at the Raiders when, um, well, there was a bit of, bit of publicity around you leaving the, the dogs. We won't get into that. But uh, did you learn a lot from that experience, um, the ending at the dogs and then going to the Raiders and now off here at Newcastle? I guess it would have been a bit of a learning curve for you oh to be honest I think I'd probably learnt I'd learnt the lessons that I that I would have learned already when I was at the Bulldogs and I'd seen it seen other people leave clubs and seen you know unfortunate circumstances and things like that and I understand rugby league and the way that it is and how public it is and yep. there's um, obviously consequences for everyone's actions and you know people make mistakes along the way and you can Sometimes putting one foot in front of the other, you might get a bit wayward and then you find your way back on track. And, you know, people might not agree with me, but I think I was at a really good point in my life when I actually left the Bulldogs. So, you know, things things probably looked worse from the outside than they were inside. So yeah. I was quite solid on that. And, and you yeah, know, I, I suppose it's probably, I probably should come and say, yeah, I really learned a lesson. But I think I'd already learned those lessons and um, it was just another part of my journey. And, you know, at the time, I was I was upset and I was probably a bit, um, you know, I suppose disappointed in myself that I wasn't able to stay at the Bulldogs. But then going to Canberra, I think, has been something that I, I couldn't imagine my career now without having my year down in Canberra. There's a few reasons for it. One is just the the people that I met down there, the the genuine friendships and the people that I've gotten the respect I have for the people that I was involved with down there. The, there's some blokes in that team that are just some of the best people I've ever met and me and Millie are getting married in this off-season and it wouldn't be the same for me not having those blokes there. So I think back to when I did leave the Bulldogs and how at the time it might have been unfortunate, but if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have had you know, that part of my journey going to Canberra and being a part of that team and, and even just learning from... I was A lot of my career at the Bulldogs, I was seen as probably one of the older or one of the older or more experienced blokes then I go down to Canberra where there's a lot of fellas above the age of 25 26 that have played over 100 NRL games and I found myself learning again which was really exciting and great for me and then that's obviously skyrocketed me into signing a good deal up here in Newcastle and um, yeah, to say I've learned those lessons, maybe I'll learn them earlier in my career, but I'll look at them as blessings now. I certainly do. Yeah, things happen for a reason, mate, obviously. And, and um, you know, plenty of people, plenty of players. I know Danny Badiris, for example, who probably would have been a one-club and, and would have wanted to be a one-club player, had had to go to England, and you, w- you, you wouldn't give that experience back for, for anything. Um, so it's just, just how it how it works out. There, there was um, – you, you went to the Raiders, obviously, last year, but um, you could have easily come here earlier, couldn't you? There was a – you were looking maybe to come up to Newcastle last year and, and uh, they couldn't fit you in. Was that right? Yep, yep, that's exactly right. And, and you can even go further back than that. It was in 2014 going into 2015. I just finished. I was captain of the Bulldogs under-20s team. I played a bit of reserve grade that year and 
Uh, Michael Hagen was doing the recruitment at the Knights and I caught up with him with my manager out at a forget forget whereabouts it was, but it was out Western Sydney somewhere at a RSL club and um, they were looking at me maybe leaving my contract a year early to come up and, and join the Knights and that there was a spot there for me and that I'd come up and I'd play first grade. But that was the, that was the plan for me already at the Bulldogs and I was a Bulldogs fan, you know, growing up and I felt like at the time I had unfinished business. I wanted to sort of fight my way into that team behind the pretty successful pack that they already had. And um, so that was the way the cookie crumbled back in 2014 into 2015 season. Um, that was the first time I nearly come here. And then, yeah, when, when I, I actually did have another negotiation in 2020. And part of that was even, um, I'd, I'd spoke to Newcastle along the way and, I won't go too long on this, but you know, sort of, and it, it, Newcastle always just come around to me, and I've always known it would be a great place for me to live. Um, probably a great place for for me to settle down down the track. I've always loved the way they've played their footy. I've always loved the community because it's that you know you get that blue collar feeling. That's that's part of my background and part of who I am, and always sort of thought it'd be cool to be a part of. So when I when I did leave the Bulldogs, I actually went out. You know, usually it's the other way around. The club calls you or the club calls your manager. I actually got – I'd been in the camp with Adam O'Brien. I played in the city country. I was in the country team that he was a part of. Okay, yep. Had his, had his number and I thought, well, give him a call. give Ads a call here and, and put, it, put it all out there and tell him I'd love to play for him. And there was two teams really that I wanted to play for. It was the Canberra Raiders and the Knights. And that was because I really resonated with the community, sort of big country towns that are cities now. Um, and, yeah uh, – Ended up, I ended up going down to the Raiders, but not too far down the future, I was, you know, talking to Ads again, and he was really wanting me up here, and there was, there was that room that probably wasn't there before, and, yeah, we were both very happy that we could get it done. Well, it's obviously destiny, mate, that you you were always going to come here. It's just a matter of when, by the sound of things. It's funny, mate. You look back and you do think, you know, there's obviously a lot of negotiations, a lot of clubs get involved in these sorts of things, but there was just always Newcastle that was there, and it was always something that was at the front of my mind of, Yep, I admired the team and the way they played their footy. Absolutely loved the town and, yeah, you know, couldn't get away from it. And now I'm up here, I sort of understand why. I think you're right, mate. There probably is a bit of destiny there. Well, Millie got here before you. And how big a role did she play in you in you wanting to come here? Because the Raiders the Raiders tried pretty hard to keep you, mate, didn't they? They, they, they yeah, weren't happy yep. for you to go either. So how big a role did Millie play? We're talking about your fiancé, <laughs> Millie Boyle, for those who don't know. Um, yeah, so Mill Mill had come here and that was, you know, really great to see how much the town, the community and the team and everyone got around her and I was loving my days off. I'd come up and I'd see her and we'd, you know, go down to the beach, have a coffee, have a swim and we could sort of feel ourselves really enjoying the lifestyle. But then I, I touched on it just before, the relationships and the respect I have for the people down in Canberra. So first things first and this is – I think I think over my career it's probably come to the demise and there's probably been a lot of money that's been left on the table um, in negotiations because of this, particularly with my time when I was at the Bulldogs. But once I'm part of somewhere they let and those people let me in and I feel like I'm part of a family, I feel I feel a sense of obligation and loyalty to them. And the first things first, you know, and I don't mind saying this now because I'm, I'm up here and I'm part of the Knights, but I really wanted to stay in Canberra, no matter who the other team was. I just had this feeling of loyalty and obligation that I had to stay down there. Mm. Um, and Millie, 
you know, really supported me, even though I knew deep down she really wanted me to come to Newcastle. She she was so 50-50 with it, <clears throat> sat on the fence, and we, we made the decision based on football, not lifestyle, because, you know, I can have a lifestyle for the next 30 years of my life, but football's, as we all know, can be taken away pretty quickly. So um, it, was a, it was a long process, and... Mill never twisted my arm too much, but I certainly knew that she was really happy for me to come here. And, um, yeah, we're, we're really happy. We've got our house here and we love living in Newcastle together. So I think um, happy wife, happy life maybe played a bit of a part of it, but it was certainly <laughs> a football decision. Yeah, it was. Well, you came here, mate, um, basically with an injury. Where you, you copped an injury, a groin injury at the back end of last year at the the, uh, the Raiders. So it, it virtually wiped out your whole preseason, didn't you? I think you got back sort of late in the preseason, um, which would have been difficult, I, I reckon, because even though you would have probably known a few of the players here, um, when you're in a rehab group, you're sort of not really training, you're not um, coexisting with the rest of the boys like, you know, like normal at training in particular. Um, would have been difficult early for you to probably get to know each other, but you did go on that we spoke to Tyson Gamble there a few weeks ago, and he talked about the um, the army camp that you guys went on straight away, which he felt was great because you know you you're in each other's pockets and you, he got to know everyone because he didn't know anyone when he came here. Was that the same for you? Was that that feeling of um, going up to Brisbane or wherever it was and and um, getting to know everyone? Yeah, certainly. So I well, I come here and had known a few blokes, cross paths, a few blokes, probably. Lachlan Fitzgibbon was the fella I probably knew the best out of. Everyone with the same age played the same position. Obviously played against each other a lot of time. But, you know, only in passing, I'd probably known a handful of players and I hadn't really had much to do with anyone. So coming and being part of the rehab group, like you said, you are very isolated. And I think footballers, first things first, we like showing people that we're willing and we like working hard and that's the you want your your future teammates your current teammates you want them to say yep I like this bloke because he works hard and I can trust him and you know the way that you build that when you're a new player at a new club is by showing them out on the out on the field when the going gets tough that you're there to get going with them and I didn't have that opportunity and I really struggled with it at the start but as I just touched on um, the people I met down in Canberra, some of the blokes here, the way that they opened me, like welcomed me in with open arms, um, obviously you know, played against a lot of them and a lot of times and there was probably some, oh, I'm a forward, they're forwards as well. There was probably some times that we went head to head with each other. But once I had that night's training kit on, it was like, yeah, you're one of us. And I really felt that. Uh, my connection with this, the twins straight away, the Safiti boys. Yep. Um, you know, I really they they were a big part of me feeling welcome here. Um, someone like Tyson Frizzell, someone that you know, he's only a couple of years older than me, but I feel as though I've almost grown up watching and like idolising Frizz in a way because he's been such a good player for so long. So to have you know blokes like him and Dane Gago, I really welcome me in. Um, even though I was in that rehab crew and I wasn't able to sort of give many payback and and rip in with them, um, made me feel really welcome. And Adam's um, positioning of that pre-season camp that we went on having that right at the start of pre-season I think for the blokes that we'd recruited Jackson Acing's missed out on it but me Tyson Gamble and Jack Hetherington um being able to go on that and that was our sort of first introduction to the boys I think really helped break the ice so by the time we'd come back from that it was maybe week three and we'd all sort of already been through something pretty tough together and I wouldn't have had that chance if we'd just been at the club doing normal things because like, like you said I was isolated I was in the rehab group so for me to be part of the big 
the big camp and the big team together it certainly broke the ice and made things a lot easier. I would imagine, mate, what you've just touched on, um, you know, wanting to show your teammates and the, and the club, given that you were new here, that you're willing to work hard and do whatever it takes to get on the field. Was that to your detriment in round one? Were, were you ready in hindsight? I guess in hindsight's always easy, but you, you sort of suffered that groin injury in round one against the, um, the Warriors. Uh, which kept you out for 10 weeks. Did, did you come back too early? Was it that anxiousness to want to get out there and, and do your bit for the club? Was that cost? Did that cost you back then, do you think? Yeah, I think it did. And, like, I haven't had this injury before. Um, not many people really have. It was, a, it was a really complex injury. Like, there's the easiest way of saying it's sort of groin overload or osteopubis or... Yep. Um, Is it pelvis-related? Yeah, pelvis, pelvis injuries, mate, but... One, I had a bit of I had a bit of overload there. I had a bit of degenerative stuff there. But then I also had an incident where I did the splits in the semi-final, separated my pubic symphysis, um, tore tore the ligaments that hold that together, and then had a lot of bone bruises. So there was a lot of complications in you know, do we get surgery? What do we do? We we decided not to get surgery, and then there was along the way a couple of setbacks, and there was a lot of doubt in my mind if I should have had it and I'd heard from people that have and people that haven't and there was just no clear path. It's not like a broken arm that you can – or a broken wrist. You go, oh, put a screw in it. In six to eight weeks' time, it'll be strong and you can go again. There was no definitive time frame for me to get back. So as the weeks kept going on and it was still wasn't getting better, I was getting really frustrated, particularly because in my older age, I've become – I'd like to pride myself on being really professional, particularly around injury and prevention and obviously my – background in physio it's something that I really take a lot of pride in and everything that I did and I was doing so many different things to try and make it better it just wouldn't get better to the point where I just thought you know what I'm just going to bite down on the mouth card go out and play um, because nothing else is working anyway mm. so maybe I'll just get out there and maybe it'll just work maybe it'll just happen and um, yeah we all know what happened I went out there re-injured it and it probably was the best thing for me because it was almost like a bit of a reset. We started from ground zero again um, and in 10 weeks' time, yeah, had tweaked a few things that we'd learnt and figured out along the way. And I think now if someone else had this injury, we'd be able to give them a pretty good blueprint on how to get back. So uh, although, although it was quite disappointing, I was missing out on so much footy, you know, I feel fresh now. I've had that 10 weeks off. So, you know, we spoke about things happening and, blessings and whatnot, I feel I feel really good at the back end of the season. So that's the way I've got to look at it and put a bit of a positive spin on it. Well, I can put another positive spin on it for you, mate. Um, you missed 10 weeks. Uh, you came back the week after we got flogged by Para, um, which was probably the only real poor performance, well, the only poor performance the team's put in this year was that, um, was that game against Para. So you got back, I think, um, for the game against the Gold Coast and the Knights, mate, since you've been back, have won ten of fourteen games. So there's a positive. You're you're a bit of an a, a good omen for the boys. Well, I'll, I'll take, you'll that, take that, that way out of the paddock. <laughs> <laughs> um, during that period, though, there were losses to Brisbane Roosters and Penrith. I think three in a row, and and that that Penrith game following that was the the sixty six to nil win over over the, uh, the Bulldogs. Um, and then, obviously, eight straight uh, wins. Can Everyone asks, uh, fair, uh, heaps of fans ask me, lots, lots of people are asking the question, can they put their finger on what changed, what happened? Um, was it just a flick 
uh, a switch that got flicked? Um, can you, have you got any idea? You know what 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 changed? What happened? Was it a confidence thing? Uh, things went right for you against the Bulldogs. Scored eleven tries, and since then the boys have just got more and more confident. Is that what it is, or is it something else? Yeah, I think that plays a bit of a part of it. I also think that you look at our you look at our spine now. I was out for a big chunk of the year. Jackson Hastings has never been here before. Turned up halfway through the preseason. Kalen was at five eight. He's back to fullback now. Um, Tyson Gamble's new to the club. Jaden Braley's our normal hooker and captain. He did his ACL and now Phoenix Crossland's been chucked there. Your spine's a big part of the way that you play footy and a big part, particularly in those close games. Like you said, there was only that bad game against the Eels where there was a bit of a score put on us. Every other game, we've been in the contest, yep. been in the game, but we just haven't been able to come away with the points and come away with the win. But after finally getting that spine together and that continuity of our putting the same program out each week, putting the same team out each week. I think we started to build combinations. We started to get a bit of confidence in each other, a bit of faith in the way that we are playing, buying into the way that we are playing footy. And then certainly, you know, there needed to be a point where we didn't win 6-4. Like you, you always say you'll take the two points and you'll you'll win by one if you need to in the, in the 79th minute. And absolutely you will. You'll never, you'd never say no to a win like that. But I think we needed a game that took the shackles off. And that Bulldogs game for us where a few things really clicked, I think everyone started playing with a bit more freedom. I certainly felt like me as a as a cog in the system that we've got now in our team, I found my feet probably around that time. Um, we've all started running off each other a bit better. And then from then we've been able to build and we had, you know, winning brings smiles. It brings laughter and brings a bit of... Not less seriousness. You always treat your job extremely serious, but it, it probably just brings a bit more fun around the place as well. And I feel like we've really incorporated that into the way we're playing as well. We have fun, having fun off the field around each other. We're also having fun when we're out there training hard. We're having fun when we're at Mac Jones playing together, having fun on the, on the bus trips to go to away games. And I think that's a real big part of it. What about the, the coaching staff? Um, we mentioned Adam O'Brien. Obviously, he's been under... Enormous pressure um, behind the scenes. He had the, the the dramas with his with his mum being crook and then and then passing. Um, you guys were obviously aware of that, and and Ads hardly missed anything. Uh, he was on the freeway down to Sydney to the hospital right through that sort of period, and uh, but was back up here for training sessions and all that sort of stuff. Um, what sort of a role has he played? in the way the team is going now and, and obviously staff as well. Yeah, I think um, the best part about our team <clears throat> or the club sorry, at the moment is 17 blokes go out and play or maybe 18 if something goes on, but each one of them blokes is doing their bit on the field. And the same thing is happening behind the scenes. We've got a really good coaching staff, you know, obviously led by Adam, but everyone puts in their their own expertise, they add their own part, um, put their own spin on whatever their section of it is and, and all the boys are buying into it and I think everyone's working really well as a team. That's probably the biggest thing. I've been parts of, part of teams where maybe 13 or 14 blokes have played really well but three or four maybe aren't completely buying into the system. Well, they've given us a philosophy and a system now, both in attack and defence, given us a bit of an identity that we look at and we're attracted to it. it. Really, it's something that we want to be known by as a team, and I think that gives us the, 
that gives us the confidence to buy in, or that gives us the drive to want to buy into it. And then when it starts working, that gives you the confidence that it works. And I think that's, you know, been really well done by the coaches that they've been able to stick solid. You know, we didn't change our game plan after we'd got to around nine and we weren't sitting too good. We stuck solid with our philosophies and the way that we think we can play footy and the way we want to be known by our town. Um, and the tide turned and we're finally starting to play good footy and people are seeing that what we do works and we're seeing that what we do works and, you know, that's a credit to the coaches for sticking to that and having that consistency for us. The first receiver role that you're playing, um, is that something that you discussed with Adam O'Brien before you came here or when you when you got here or uh, that was always going to be the case, you were going to be that man? Yeah, before I got here. So when we are in negotiations, he, he said something <clears throat> never been asked before. So when you lay in bed at night and you think about the best the best footy you can play and you're dreaming about, you know, having your best game ever, what's it look like? And I said, oh, well, I like to think I can play, you know, both both parts. But when we need to play tough, hopefully I can play tough and roll the sleeves up and, and you know, be in there with the boys in the pack and, gripping in but also when when the time comes for us to be able to play a bit of footy I'd love to have the footy in my hands and um I suppose have a bloke inside and outside me with a half back out the back and be able to move the ball a bit for us and he said you know good because that's the way I see you playing for us and he'd said he'd seen glimpses from when I was at the Bulldogs playing 13 and probably a little bit less ball playing from me last year at Canberra because we just had a real powerful pack and the way that we played footy was sort of just your traditional you know run hard for a kick until we get the good ball and, and get the, the ball in the halves' hands. Um, but he, he'd saw seen enough that he thought, um, yeah, I could I could be an important cog to the team. And I think um, there's probably parts there where I wasn't as crispy as I would have liked to have been. Obviously, like you said, I missed out on the preseason and there was a lot of reps that I would have usually had that I didn't get to have. But, you know, for them to show faith in me and keep me in that starting team, keep my minutes up. They threw me straight in and gave me really good minutes straight away and I got a lot of reps, you know, in the games and then I'd be out there training and um, the boys around me making sure that I was, when I first got back in the team, that I was getting those reps in and um, I think, yeah, the fact that me and Ad spoke about playing that way and we've stuck to it, um, I'm, yeah, really happy that, you know, that's the way I get to play for this team. What about, what about, um, from from someone that's never lived here until this year, obviously, um, what what have you made of of Newcastle and the support you get up here, mate? And compared to what you're used to, it's unique. It's certainly you go for a coffee and you might get asked for a photo or a signature or something like that in, in the other places that I've been. Um, but you go for a coffee here and they want to sit there and talk to you and, and know how you're liking the town and they want to know a bit about you. And for me, that says that they're invested in the – they're not just invested in you know, getting a photo or a signature or having something for themselves. They actually want to know how you're feeling in the town and how you like it. And I think that's because people that live in Newey have a lot of pride about living here. And if I was to turn around and say, no, nah, shit, I don't like it, they turn on you. And they, they've got that little bit of pride about it. And I felt that straight away. And I think that makes us as a, as a team and players in our team be – proud of our team and proud of our supporters because, you know, we know we've got something really special and we're really, we're really lucky and grateful to have it up here. And um, I felt that straight away from the community. Well, i got, I got to say, I, I've been um, reporting on the night since day dot. Um, and obviously through all the the great period back in the late 90s and the early 2000s when they won a couple of premierships. But I, I honestly don't think I've heard a roar 
from a crowd like I did last Sunday when you guys ran out on the field um, through the old boys. I think that was probably the loudest roar I think I've ever heard at, at the stadium. It must have been an unbelievable, you know, you must have had tingles through you, I reckon, running out given the, the support that was there plus the fact that it was old boys day. It was, it was a massive occasion. Mate, it was. I think I tried to sort of keep my emotions at bay knowing that it was a you know, really important game for us and um, old boys day on top of that. But for me, it was, it was it was too hard to do that. As soon as I got to the tunnel, mate, you could just hear the roar and just see all – like it was blue and red everywhere. I don't mm. know. Not that I was really looking, but I couldn't see many sharks. Mate. I reckon there was 29,000 – Newcastle fans there and the roar the, like you can feel that right when you're running out and you look at the boys and you can see you know, give each other a bit of a look and they're like yeah how good's this and to be able to run out through our old boys you know and they've paved the way for us that was something that was a really special touch for me as well I did, you know, hopefully next next old boys day is just as good but it, I don't know whether I'll have a, a, a feeling as special as that for a long time now I know we've got the semi-final coming up but to have those old boys make the guard of honour and us running out and have all that history there that we're running through, um, as well as the crowd and the roar that I have, mate. That was certainly, you said, tingles like I had goosebumps. Yeah, no, it was fantastic. Special special day. Obviously, if there was a negative from the day, Carlin Ponga's injury, um, how's he going? How's, how's his mood? Is he um, positive? Have you seen much of him? Yeah, yeah. He's a really positive bloke, Kay. So, obviously, no one's asking him too many invasive questions but he's just he's in there doing his thing and he's working hard and his missus is helping him at home and he's in with the physios and he's doing everything he can and you know whatever happens we know that Kalen's going to be leaving no stone unturned to get himself right to play as soon as he possibly can and um, yeah I think there's a lot of faith in, in the medical staff getting him right for when he needs to be right so he's um, he's not kicking stones he's not down in the dumps um, KP is a real positive bloke anyway so he's um, certainly adding to the energy around the place still Well I noticed that um, uh, with particularly with Jackson Hastings being out the last few weeks uh, it's been the occasion I've seen the replays of, of the games and, and uh, the boys in the huddle in the dressing room before the game and, and uh, it's generally been you that's been doing a lot of the talking mate Yeah I, um, I suppose I'm pretty vocal as it is, but when you come into a new place, you you don't want to be the one that's, you know, I want to earn my stripes before I get a chance to speak to the boys. But um, the two fellows I mentioned earlier, Dane Gagai and Tyson Frizzell, um, are blokes that they lead. They just, they're purely two of the best leaders by example that I've played under. Um, and I think for... You know, for us to work as a team, we've got a we've got a leadership group, and that's just the role I've found is maybe the last little couple of words before we run out. And me and Frizz will often talk about what what we're going to say, and we'll share the load, particularly amongst the forwards. And um, you know, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. It's always it's always a privilege to be able to speak to men that are going to go out with the same common goal and go to go. Um, <clears throat> rip in together and, and go through some tough times out on that pitch together. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm finding myself in that position and I'm really enjoying it. Mate, we spoke about Millie before. You, you're getting married, what, in the off-season? Yep, yep, this off this October. So pretty soon after the NRL Grand Final, we'll be getting married, which is really exciting. And, and you got up here, obviously, to Newcastle and she decided to leave and go to the Roosters. 
Yeah, I know. That's what you were saying before. Did Mill have a big part to do with it? Well, you'd want to hope she didn't. She's been <laughs> taken off on me. Um, no, yeah, I'm really proud of Millie. I think a big thing with, with mine and Mill's careers at the moment is that we don't need to be – we don't need to follow each other. We can – we'll always be – you know, we're very um, – confident in our relationship and where we're at at the moment that we don't need to be at the same place and doing the same thing we can go on our separate journeys and still be together so you know i'm really proud of the way she's playing i'm really happy for her she's having a lot of fun down there and you know it would have been cool to run out together and play um you know before each other and after each other in the knights jerseys but I'm really happy with where she's at, and I support her every step of the way. So, how's it how's it work as far as your living arrangements? Is she spending some time living in Sydney and spending some time up here as well? What's because she's, yeah, she's, she's doing like a bit of Channel of, Nine work as well, isn't most she? Most of the time, she's up here when she has her Channel Nine uh, commitments. You know, she might stay down after a game and do that, or the night before a game. Usually, she stay if the game's in Sydney, she'll stay down there as well, just because we don't want her travelling too much and. Um, you know, footy, footy comes first at this time of the year and she can't sacrifice feeling good and, you know, being right for a game. So we're making, making sure that she's getting that balance right and um, probably was a bit of a juggling act at the start, but she's a few rounds in now. I think we've got the balance really down pat and she's, yeah, we're lucky. Our, our days off are sort of, sort of falling on the same days at the moment, which is working really well. And, you know, the, the days are long and the years are short, so we understand you just got to make the most of it right now and, um you know, unlike a lot of other couples in, in the NRL, you know, NRL players or NRLW and their players, we're, we're really lucky our off-seasons or our time off links up together. You know, we, neither of us need to go ask our job for annual leave or whatever it is because we both get the off-season together. So we'll be making sure we make the most of that. And what about what you're doing together off the field, mate? Obviously, um, I think there's, there's uh, well, I know Millie's, I think Millie's got a sister, has she, that's yes, um, yep. got Down syndrome? And yep. and you've got My a older brother brother's James. got autism, yep. so you've you've um, established. A, I think it's is it a foundation now, a game changer so we're program. In the, we're in the process of um, so we run. We're in the process of turning into a foundation. At the moment, we run so the workshops called the Game Changer Program. The um, it's called tra- it's called Trainer Group and. The whole idea of it was, like you said, me and Millie have always been really passionate because of our family circumstances. Uh, Mill's little sister Hannah has the Anne syndrome. My older brother James has autism and they're both, you know, the family's favourites. They're our favourite people in the world. Um, but we noticed a big gap in when high school and they got put in a normal society. Obviously, it's very scary for all of us. You finish school and it's the big bad world's out there. But they've gone from having support workers at school you go from having routine, catching the same bus, bell rings, tells them where to go. A lot of the a lot of the people that have intellectual disabilities, routine's a really important part of their day, and that all gets taken away. And it's like mm. I said, it's hard enough for the rest of us, but um, we noticed a big gap there between um, helping them ease into into society and being a being a valuable member of society. And um, yeah, Millie took the reins on it. I, I'm there supporting as much as I possibly can. But, yeah, it's our little thing that we get to do together now that we're extremely passionate about. And um, We run – at the moment, we've been running six-week programs for two hours on the same day, same time each week with an hour indoors, an hour outdoors, and the program's um, focused around mental and physical health 
um, and building confidence and skills for, like I said, um, our participants to be able to work their way into society, whether that's getting a job, playing in a local team or joining a local group or making friends from the from the programs that we're running that they can, you know, socialise with and things like that. So it's um, it's our little baby at the moment. Hopefully there's some really big things coming um, in 2024. Obviously it's on hold at the moment with both of us being really busy with our career with footy. But, um, yeah, Millie obviously only plays footy for the back half of the season. So she's got some real big plans in the pipeline. I won't burst her bubble. But, yeah, 2024 is going to be really exciting for us. Mm, fantastic, mate. Fantastic. Well, there's no denying your passion. Um, you, you're playing super, obviously, but uh, yeah, no denying your passion. Um, I've seen the video of you tearing up when uh, Millie was making a speech after the grand final last year. So uh, you you get very emotional and get um, you know get invested, which is fantastic. We love everyone up here in Newcastle loves people that get invested in, in the city and the town and the club. So congratulations. The only negative that I can find about you at the moment, mate, is you yet to score a try for the Knights. Um, and I, nearly, I thought I nearly got there on the weekend. I tipped onto Hedrow and he nearly got through and offloaded it to me. And big, um, big Hazleton was there waiting for me. I was, I was filthy. He was there. Cause Mills, it's two nil Millie's way at the moment. So and, Still got and one game of the regular season left, though. I think most of the forwards, your your forward teammates have probably scored too, have they? So you... I think it's me and Jacob, mate. Me and Jacob Safidi, we're the ones that are still on the nudie. So yeah, well, we got to make sure we tip onto each other a bit this week. We'll be sort of supporting everyone that goes through. I think the two of us keep an eye out for that. Actually, we probably don't need to see you doing another nudie run either, do we? No, I think I've done enough of them for my career. <laughs> <laughs> Good on you, mate. Uh, look, it's been awesome. a great pleasure to talk to you, and and. Um, Fantastic that, as I say, the team's going great, you're going great, and you've fitted in so well up here, and, and I'm sure all the fans are, are rapt to have you. So uh, good luck for the rest of the season. Thanks, thanks for the chat, mate. I'll see you around. Thanks, mate. Tata. Cheers, mate. Bye. There he is. Very, very impressive, Adam Elliott. Um, yeah, look. Uh, yeah, I can't speak highly enough of the guy. He's been uh, in really, really good form just of of late. And, and what you got to think about, as as we pointed out and as he pointed out, is he didn't have an off-season basically and then he was out for, for 10 weeks. So you can't just hit the ground running in a competition like the NRL. You've got to have uh, a bit of a base behind you. And he's uh, he's now at the stage now where he's, you know, probably in peak peak form. Uh, which is fantastic coming into the to the later half of the season. So yeah, um, great great player and a, and a great bloke to have around the club. Um, I'm sure. Okay, the Twitter mailbag. Let's let's uh, let's go, Doctor Buddy Tubside. I Baz. The team is playing for each other and with energy and enthusiasm. Lots of credit has to go to Adam O'Brien. What are your observations about what has clicked? Adam O'Brien talks about. Uh, the off-season and preparation and routine, but is there more to it than that? Thanks. Well, we did we did speak to um, Adam Adam Elliott about that. I just asked him about that actually, and and he sort of pointed to the fact that uh, the continuity with the with the spine and the fact that the players got to play for a, a fair while with each other. Um, I think that's got a lot to do with it. It's all, I think it's all to do with confidence, buddy. I really do. I, I just think that um, once you start winning a few games and you and you start to get confident and you've got players with ability, obviously, then um, things can turn around quickly and, and um, they certainly have for the Knights. 
and uh, it's great to see. Okay, Pete's rant. How would you compare the buzz around town compared to 97 and 01? I'd love to know. I don't like, uh, sorry, I don't live in Newey anymore. I'm a Stocko boy, born and bred, but moved to Western Australia to be closer to my son. Uh, Pete, um, well, firstly, I'd say probably there's nothing more important than family, mate. So I'm sure your son appreciates the fact or the decision you've made to uh, to go over there. But you are missing out over here. Um, the last couple of weeks at the ground has been just sensational. And I can't imagine what it's going to be like, um, you know, if the Knights go on a run in the finals and, and um, even get to another grand final, it'll be dead set mayhem in Newcastle because uh, – it's already fever pitch, so it's yeah, it's it's a great feeling. I I, I guess it's, and the, the reason for that I guess is the fact that there's been such a drought. Um, you know, 2001 is a long while ago, um, and uh, there's been a bit of a drought since. So it's it's got everyone very excited. So hopefully, um, the boys can keep keep it going. Uh, Nick. Hey, looking ahead, does the coach get a contract extension sooner rather than later? Three out of four years in the finals, and next year Braley is back. Players seem to be playing for him. Well, I've got no doubts about that, Nick. Um, plenty of talk going back a bit over two months ago that he was going to be sacked, and uh, now we're talking about contract extensions. Three out of the, as you point out, three out of the four years um, they've made the finals under under Adam, and, um, yeah, the, the team at the moment is just going gangbusters and a lot of good young kids coming up through the system as well. So hopefully he gets a chance to um, to coach them down the track as well because uh, he's certainly doing a great job at the moment. Uh, Ex-Hull Kiwi, how good was seeing the 92 squad in town for Old Boys Day? Can you get John Schuster on the podcast, please? Uh, Christy, um yeah, I'm not surprised that you got a kick out of it. You were back in town for a long weekend, I think. You must have been because you were at the uh, at the old boys show on on Friday last Friday, which was fantastic. Yeah, look, it was. It's great to see. Um, it's always great. The old boys' day is a great day. Simple as that. Um, always great to see the the old players back and getting together and and uh, talking about old times. And it was particularly great this this week because or on Sunday because obviously. Pardon me, the um, the team played so well. So um, the old boys would have all got a kick out of that. I spoke to John Schuster, actually. John, uh, I think, went back to Samoa on uh, Tuesday morning. Probably won't get a chance to talk to him, Christy, to be honest. Um, John's a man of few words, too. I don't know whether you've um, had a conversation with the shoe, but he um, doesn't say too much. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll probably leave him. Um, but certainly a, a great fella, and it was great to see him back. David Wade, who we had on the show last week, was there as well. Uh, yeah, a lot of lot of guys I hadn't seen for ages. Um, came back; it was fantastic. David Boyd was there, uh, one of the one of the originals. Uh, you know, blokes like Tony Herman. There was a whole stack of uh, players that old players that I hadn't seen, which was which was great. Um, and I'm sure, sure they had a great time. I don't know what time they finished on Sunday, but it would have been fairly late for a lot of them, I'd imagine. Uh, Mr. Brown, the shoe, shoe, shoe chant <laughs> was just as memorable as the Newcastle chant in the early 90s. It was too. It was too. Back in the day, he was uh, had a cult following, uh, John Schuster. 
and as you mentioned, shoe, shoe, shoe. I can still hear it. Fantastic. Tom Binky, do you know what type of contract Kyle McCarthy has for 2024? When does it finish up? Uh, Kyle McCarthy, young, lower-grade centre winger. Um, he's definitely signed for next year. I think he's signed for the year after. I wouldn't – not 100% sure what he what his um, status is, but he's, he's certainly signed. He's not in the top um, 30 at this stage, but he can't be far away from maybe a development contract. Kyle, I think he's uh, – He's got a bit of a future. Uh, hopefully he, he stays long, longer term. David Balford, did you see a particular event or turning point for our season's turnaround? Or do you think it was a case of gradually improving? Yeah, David, look, I, we've already spoken about it. I, I, I don't necessarily disagree with um, Adam Elliott in that uh, it's a continuity of, of the spine and the spine playing games together and, and it just clicked on the day against the Bulldogs, scored a lot of points, got a lot of confidence out of it and they've just grown and grown since then. You know, light bulb moment um, where it's – or a reason, a singular reason for it happening, but it's just happened and um, that's what happens in footy. Uh, Cameron Matthews, obviously a bit early to predict or have a proper say on it, but where do you see the English boys fitting into the team next year? More so Will Price. Hard to take Gamble's spot from him, uh, how well he's going. Big off-season will be had and a good headache for Adam O'Brien. Well, exactly. Um, Exactly, Cameron. I mean, it will be a headache to find some places for a few blokes next year, even though we've got a few leaving. Will Price is, well, I guess they'll have a close look at him in the in the preseason, see what he's doing, and then have a look at him um, playing a few games early next year to find out what, what his position, what his best position might be. But he certainly uh, got some utility value. Will Price, Kai Pierce paul the other guy coming over from England, is a dead set back rower who uh, will probably take Fitzy's spot, but... Then Dylan Lucas, who I thought was sensational last weekend against the Sharks, he might have something to say about that. So, great competition. That's what you need if you're a successful club. You need some great competitions. Uh, this one's from Dan. What's the benefit of fifth spot? Well, I guess the benefit of fifth, fifth spot is Dan is you, you play the team that ran eighth rather than the team that ran seventh. If you finish sixth, that's the only benefit. Um, other than the fact that you can hang your hat on the that you finish fifth rather than sixth, but there's not a lot of uh, other benefits. You both both fifth and sixth get a home semi, um, but the fifth team play the 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 team that ran eighth, which you know um, probably in theory anyway um, should be a little bit worse than the team that ran seventh, but it doesn't always work out that way. Obviously, and there's hardly a struck match between a lot of the teams, so. Not a lot of difference, but um, I guess from the Knights' point of view, on on Saturday against St George Illawarra down there at Cogra, it's it's a matter of wanting to go down there and win nine straight and just keep that momentum. You heard Adam Elliott talk about that. They're keen to keep that momentum going. Uh, Richard Turner, hi Baz. It was great watching Kurt Gidley lead the team song, uh, which is on the Knights' website for anyone who hasn't seen it. Um, with the old boys invited back into the dressing room. Well, they, they actually put it in the warm-up room down at uh, McDonald Jones Stadium because it was too there was too many people for the dressing room. Uh, fantastic, great scenes. 
And and as Richard said, what a perfect old boys day. Does this run of eight wins make you want to come out of so-called retirement? <laughs> <laughs> the big question. <laughs> um, no, Richard, it doesn't really, to be honest, if I've got to be honest about it. Um, I'm, I'm sort of semi-retired during the footy season, so I get the best of both worlds, to be honest. Um, I'm happy to keep going, though, until uh, until uh, the grand final day, if, if the Knights make it, put it that way. So I won't be stopping work simply because it's semi-final time. Um, <laughs> are we now on the cusp? of a three-year premiership window. Well, that's interesting, Richard, because um, you, could, you could argue that um, the, the club is on the rise. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I mean, there are a few players that will be going next year. Obviously, they're going to miss – well, the two main players I think they're going to miss are, are um, Lachlan Fitzgibbon and Kurt Mann. I think they'll miss those two that are both leaving. And Adam Clune's been uh, super in the two games that he's deputised Jackson Hastings for. So – um, there'll be some players missed, but there's some young blokes coming through and, and uh, you know, if they can finish this season off uh, really well, then they're going to have a great off-season. Um, yeah, there'll be a lot of excitement in and around what the Knights can do next year and the year after and the year after that. So who knows? Maybe they are in a premiership window. I, I, I think they, they can be. I don't know. It's hard to win from outside the top four, but on form... Um, most of the teams in the in the top eight, well, not most, all, they'll be fearing what Newcastle can do, particularly if Kalen, um can get over his shoulder injury to the point where he's, you know, he's 85, 90% fit. Um, anything's possible. Anything's possible. John Pritchard, is it just the winning streak or is there more to the way that Novocastrians and Hunter people have taken to this team in 2023. Oh, look, John, as you know, mate, you're a, you're a, been a big supporter of the of the team. There's plenty of there's a whole stack of rusted on fans of this club that have supported through thick and thin, or do that support through thick and thin. And you only got to talk to anyone from outside Newcastle or any of the other clubs, and they'll all say that Newcastle's got you know the best supporters because of that reason. Um, they've got such a strong base of, you know, 15, 16,000 fans that'll, that'll support no matter what happens. But when you get on a run of, you know, eight wins and the team's playing so well, I saw a stat the other day that in those eight wins, the Knights have scored 50 tries and only conceded 15, which is a sensational stat. It, it just shows how good the footy's been. And, and um, you know, you, you get... F- get people that um, may not necessarily go every week all of a sudden want to go every week because um, the team's playing that well. So that's what winning does, but um, it just adds to it here because we've got, as I said, we've got such a, a strong base of, of fans that um, that love the club no matter what. Uh, Kent, Kent Woodford, David Armstrong was sensational when he was playing for Gundawindi in the Toowoomba comp. Great to see him doing well for the Knights. Uh, yeah, good one. Kent David Armstrong, the reserve grade fullback who will be in the top 30 next year. He did play for Gundawindi. I think he scored a record number of tries going back maybe three, four years ago. He's been at the Knights here for, this might be his third year, I think, second or third year. Um, and he's going really, really well. There's no risk about that. He's super quick. 
He's probably. I'd, I'd be surprised if he's not. Uh, I know Dom Young's very fast, but I'd be surprised if uh, if David Armstrong's. Well, I don't know. It'd be an interesting match race between those two to see who's the quickest. Um, yeah, he's going well anyway, Kent. So it is good to see him. Uh, he was uh, signed by um, Clint Zammett, the ex the ex recruitment boss of the club, um, and was signed for I think four years. So he obviously saw something in him, and uh, yeah, he'll he'll continue to develop. Not very big. That's his only downfall. He's not a, he's not very big, but uh, I think an off season in the gym, and who knows where he might get to. Uh, Grant, so I saw from your photo. Uh, okay, this is a photo that um, was posted that uh, of myself pictured with a few of the old boys um, on uh, on Sunday. Um, this is what Grant's talking about. I saw a photo from you. Uh, I saw a, from your photo. Matty Gidley hasn't aged as well as most of us. Seventy seven vintage. <laughs> oh, <gee>. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Tell us what you really think. Don't hold back. <laughs> I think. I, <laughs> Grant, I think you're being pretty harsh, to be honest, but um, I'll come to that in a sec. But I'll read the rest of it. But was wondering, did any of the old boys surprise you how they've changed? Well, considering it was, what, 20 years ago, uh, the 92 team anyway, um, you'd think, well, 20, you haven't seen guys in 20 years, I mightn't recognise them, but you recognised all of them. I think they all they all tend to look after themselves, rugby league players. They, I mean, there's obviously some ex- exceptions, but a lot of uh, a lot of the guys tend to, you know, because they've trained for as long as they've trained and as hard as they've trained, they look after themselves. I, I thought that, um, you know, they all look pretty good and, and I think you're doing uh, Matt Gids a disservice. I really do. Particularly when he was pictured next to me. I think, I, um, oh, come on, Baz. You don't look a day over 45. <laughs> yeah, good. Not a day. I look about uh, yeah, 15 years. Um, uh, this is from uh, Matt Barnes. Have a six. Sorry, hang on. Oh, and nine ever delivered more value per contract dollars than Gamble and Crossland. Tyson's skill level is evolving each week as his confidence grows. That left-to-right floater made me weak at the knees, while Phoenix has arguably been the competition's best dummy half in recent weeks. Look, the the um, yeah, look, the improvement in Phoenix Crossland has been staggering. To be honest, he's he's uh, just developed into a, a wonderful number nine. Um, yeah, tough. Uh, he's, his work out of dummy half's getting better and better. He's, it's still got some work to do, obviously, because he hasn't been there that long. He's never been a hooker until the last couple of years. But uh, his his work ethic and leading the defensive line and all that sort of stuff has been uh, outstanding. And he's one of the reasons why the team is is going as well as it is. Tyson Gamble, yeah, you mentioned the left to right floater. That was for Dom Young's. That was the pass for Dom Young's try on the weekend that uh, equaled the record against uh, against the Sharks. Uh, he's been terrific. Tyson's been terrific. He was brought here basically probably as a as a backup in the halves and um, he's grabbed his opportunity and, and uh, is going fantastic. And you mentioned the fact that neither of them are being paid, well, they're both under, you know, under $200,000 players. Um, so the Knights are getting some great value out of some, uh, some players that are sort of at the bottom end of the, the salary cap scale 
and there are two of them. Fantastic. Uh, 21 Doc Lombardi, who you got, Baz, for the weekend in the real NRL? Okay. Well, I did mention previous that I thought um, South Newcastle was a great chance, great chance of maybe causing an upset in the in the first grade grand final. Maitland deserved favourites, and um, yeah, I could easily go back to back. But I think it'll be a great game. I really do. I think it'll be really tight. It was tight in the major semi. Maitland only got the got over the top of them late in that game. So I think it'll be uh, a great game there at. Um, McDonald Jones Stadium on sun, on Saturday, 2 p.m. kickoff. Uh, ben Payne, last few. Ben Payne, hey Baz, Adam Clune is a smart, skillful footballer. Why do you think they chose Jack Cogger over him? Is it age and injuries? Um, well, I guess age played a part of it. I would think Ben, but Adam's been outstanding. He's been great the last couple of weeks and. I think most people thought he would because he's um, he's that type of player. He'll go to England, he'll sign over in England, and he'll be outstanding over there because he's got all the attributes uh, that a halfback that you need in a halfback, a playmaker. He's got a good kicking game. He's got a brain. I think I think that the things stand out for me in games last weekend, for example, where he noticed that um, the Sharks' fullback was up in the line, you know, 40, 35, what it was, metres out from uh, the, the Sharks' try line. He immediately noticed that, put a kick through and only just got beaten to the ball in the end goal. That's the sort of heads-up play that um, you love to see from a, from a, from a halfback. And, uh, look, he's been, he's been great. The, I, I think the disappointing part for Adam would be that if he got this opportunity maybe six or eight weeks ago before they made a decision in and around uh, he, him and, and Jack Cogger. Well, who knows? He may, um, they may have decided to, to keep Adam Clune and, and maybe not pursue Jack Cogger. But I guess the age thing's a factor. Jack's a local junior. The age thing is a factor as well. But uh, I wouldn't be worried too much about Adam Clune because he'll go to England for a few years and, and, and play great over there and see the world. I don't think um, Adam will miss out too much. Uh, another one from Ben Payne. Hey, Baz, another from me. Here we go. I want to acknowledge KP's toughness, threw himself into everything on Sunday, including clean-up work that relieved pressure. Is he in career-best form? Yes, he is. I've got no doubt about that. Consistent career-best form. He's been sensational. But, and you only got to go back to the start of the season there where his future was in doubt, playing future was in doubt, um, and all the mental dramas that that would have caused with his head knocks and and uh and the time out of the game and you know people saying that he should retire and all that sort of stuff to where he is now obviously he's got the injury but his form he was playing so confidently and and as you say throwing himself into situations that you know you sometimes wish that he probably wouldn't um because of that head stuff but uh yeah look he's he's been sensational career best form i got no doubt about that uh john pritchard do you think the knights should be happy with the final table positions for its senior pathways teams i know the main idea is to develop players for nrl but wouldn't it be desirable for the reserves and flag to be finishing higher up the ladder oh look john it's difficult because there's so many players get interchanged in those grades um you know with injuries in the nrl for example that affects 
that affects the New South Wales Cup. They haven't had Clune for the last few weeks. Is their their main man at halfback? So, and it's not just that. There's other injuries. Um, and and as far as the flag goes, well, you you get a lot of situations where players get put up into the New South Wales Cup to give them an opportunity up against the men. Uh, so that affects the uh, affects the flag team. I don't think there's any doubt that it's uh, you know where they finish in the comp. Even though you'd like love to them love for them to be finishing higher up the ladder, it, it's not the be all and end all as far as um, you know the purpose of it all is go. It's 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 about developing players and it's about developing future NRL players. So um, whether you know the the teams could have done better, um, yeah, possibly, but um, I don't think um, anyone's too worried that, uh, you know, that the reserves and the flag are, are, are finished where they're finished or will finish where they're finished. It's all, as I say, it's all about developing players to play NRL. Um, last one from Katrina O'Brien. Hope I've done this correctly, Barry. <laughs> Probably a silly question, but when Kalen returns with his troublesome shoulder, is it possible for him to switch maybe with Dane in defence? Uh, P.S. My son's opinion, it was a dog shot. By Jesse Ramian. <laughs> yeah, look, um, no, Katrina, I mean, if he's going to defend in the line, in the centres, he's not going to be any better off to doing that than defending at fullback. He'll make more tackles, a lot more tackles um, playing centre than he will playing fullback. So hopefully uh, he can get that, that shoulder right or close enough to being right and... Um, and um, he can make a real impact in the finals. And as for uh, Jesse Ramian's shot, yeah, look, it it, um, it didn't attract any sort of attention from the NRL or the referees on the field in the NRL, but um, it was sailing close to the wind, put it that way. It was very, very close to being a shoulder charge, I reckon, and, and it um, you know it wasn't far away from the head. So you take your uh, life in your own hands from Jesse Ramian's point of view when you make that decision to sort of go in like that. But um, he got away with it. Uh, unfortunately, Kalen didn't. And uh, hopefully, uh, we'll have to wait and see, but hopefully he'll he'll come back uh, in a couple of weeks' time and um, play the sort of footy that we, we know he's capable of. Okay, that's it. We're done. We're done. We're done, Simon, for another, another one week. down. And no... No hitches with the machinery this week? No, no, no technical glitches. Um, <laughs> and if you don't happen to notice one when you're listening to this, there, it was because it was perfect all the way through. So. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> the, the titan of tech has returned. I'm back. He's I'm back. back. He's back. <laughs> and we'll be back next week with another one. See you then. <laughs>